This is a free download from Delancey Elam Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30am in the Delancey Elam Church building at the Bank St. Sampson's in the Channel Island of Guernsey. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk. dispensation but be filled with the spirit let me love that be filled with the spirit and that powerful verse i think we're so familiar with that we don't kind of grasp some of the the depths of it just thinking when you look you know the kings and the prophets would just long to see what you see today you know what? The, the, they would absolutely ache for what we have. Because the kings and the prophets, they saw a time when God wouldn't just be with his people, but God would really come and, and God would possess his people. They saw a time when God would almost put mankind on like a glove. I love the story of Gideon. I mean, love the story of Gideon. Oh, that's a male. I love good Gideon. And there's one verse there that says this, that the Spirit of God came upon Gideon. And that verse always struck me, but if you read the, the correct translation of that, it says that the Lord clothed himself. The Lord clothed himself with Gideon. This picture, that almost God clothed Gideon like a glove. And I really believe that the baptism, the, the fullness of the Spirit, is when God begins to really possess us. I think it's one thing for, for us to possess the Spirit. It's another thing for the Spirit to possess us. And there's this picture that God just wants to possess us. He wants to have control of us. And I think when God really possesses us, when God really has control of us by the Spirit, I think it's at that point God can really begin to use us. We become God's hands. We, be, we become God's feet. God begins to speak through us. God begins to do things through us because he has possession of the whole of our being. It's like a definition of a Christian, really. A Christian, someone, is actually who's indwelt by God. A Christian, really, is somebody who is a temple, the Bible says, of God's Spirit. A Christian is someone who the Spirit of God has come to indwell. At salvation, he places his spirit within us. But when we are baptized, we are immersed in the spirit. I believe the greatest need for the church today is a baptism of power. I really believe that. I think when there's no baptism of power, we tend to go back to human methods and human programs and human energies. Because we lack the power, so we try to make up with it through some other means or through some other ways. And the greatest need today, I really believe with all my heart, is a true power, a baptism of power. Can you say amen? Now, it's interesting that this verse here, the way Paul parallels this verse about 
Don't be drunk, be wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Interesting parallel in in Acts chapter 2. If you remember, on the day of Pentecost, where 120 people that were gathered in that upper room, and the Bible says, a sound from heaven came to that room like a mighty rushing wind. And the Bible says, it, it caused fire to fall upon all of their heads. I love what Reinhard Bonnke says. He says, it's a flame with your name. I kind of like that. A flame with your name. And the Bible says as the Spirit filled them and empowered them, they began to speak with other tongues. There's one to get a hold of. The real, as the crowd began to witness that, this is what they said. Those people are drunk with wine. Remember that accusation that came upon them? He says, they were drunk with wine. In other words, there was something about being filled or being baptised with the Holy Spirit that caused people to think they were intoxicated with wine. And Paul says the same similar thing. Don't be filled with wine, but be filled with spirit. Almost, there's a kind of similarity between the two. And I'm going to build on that just for a minute. I want you to see that, that, that kind of contrast there. Because... We know from biology, whenever wine or alcohol enters the blood, it goes straight to the brain. It goes straight to the brain. And the first thing it does, it begins to suppress inhibitors. So you begin to do things that you wouldn't normally do. You start talking to everybody. You know what I mean? You, you, you become confident because all the inhibitions are gone and now there's a new confidence there. It touches your emotions. People begin to, they may laugh or they may cry, the slightest thing. Their whole inhibitions begin to be released. And Paul said, there's a comparison between being intoxicated compared to being baptized and filled with the Spirit. It disconnects your brain from the rest of your body and you no longer feel inhibited. You do things that you know you couldn't normally do. Now just think about that. And really there's just a few things I want to say about this verse. There's the first thing. And they all begin with C because I thought I'd help you this morning. Contrast. There's a contrast. Paul says, don't be filled with the Spirit. Don't be filled with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Because there's a contrast. First thing what happens, I think the Holy Spirit affects behavior. We can never change but by the Holy Spirit. We can never change. Because some of the things that we want to change in our lives are spiritual issues. We will never change those things by our own flesh. And Paul is saying, don't be under the influence or the control of alcohol, don't be, but be intoxicated by the Holy Spirit. Be so filled that you can be all that Jesus called you to be. I think that's an important thing. We can never change but by the power of the Holy Spirit. No matter how much effort or how much we struggle to change, you'll never change but by the power of the Holy Spirit. Can you say amen? 
If you've ever had this experience, I have, I'm afraid to admit. If you've ever, ever had a crash, not I've had any, but if you've ever had a crash, or you've had some kind of, something's happened in the car, the one thing that the police will do, the first thing they do, you know what they do? They will breathalyze you. Because they want to see whether you have been driving under the influence of something else. If you've ever done that, you blow into this, and they're going to say whether you have been intoxicated or not. We're going to do this morning a spiritual breathalyzer to see how intoxicated we are by the Holy Spirit. This is a spiritual breathalyzer to see how much we've been intoxicated by the Spirit. Here's a few things what happens in contrast when you fill the Spirit. Here's the first thing. You lose your taste for sin. I like food. How many like food? How many on a seafood diet? You see food and you kind of, you know, you eat this sort of thing. Actually, I hate, I don't really like seafood. Sorry about that. I mean, Gareth, but I just don't like seafood. You know, I think it was quite, when I was quite young, my mum made me eat. I remember we used to go around the market in Birmingham and we used to have cockles and they used to be soaked in vinegar. And something about that taste is still there with me. Years later, we, I remember having scampi and chips. And I was literally violently sick for about three or four days. And since that, I can't even bear the thought or the smell of scampi. I've lost my taste for it. And it's almost that when the Holy Spirit really fills us, we begin to lose the taste for the things of this world. It begins to kind of paralyze your taste for things. Because often with people, they're in this cycle. They fail... They fall into shame. They fall into guilt and say this time is going to be different. But then they find themselves ended up in the same cycle again. But when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, he suppresses something inside you so you lose your taste for it. You no longer want to do the things you used to do. Those sinful desires begin to be suppressed. And you lose your taste and your appetite for sin. You lose your appetite for things that once used to have control of you. It's if the Holy Spirit begins to suppress it. Not that you never have another temptation. I'm not saying you're never going to be tempted again. What I found by this, the power of that temptation seems to be broken. It's no longer the same level of temptation. It's interesting that when Jesus was baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit, you know what the Bible says? The Bible says the Spirit of God, what did it do? Did it lead him to perform a miracle crusade? The Bible says it led him into the wilderness. And there he was tempted of the devil for those 40 days. In other words, he was not sent into the wilderness until he was first baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's so wonderful to say, Holy Spirit, we thank you that you help us to overcome the power of sin. I just that's such a, an important, powerful thing. You know, fan, see, the more you fill with the Spirit, the less you have room for anything else. Isn't that right? The more filled I am with the Spirit, the less room I have for anything else. 
And I've seen that happen. That once the power of God, the Spirit of God fills somebody, they begin to lose the taste for the things they once wanted to do. The things in this world, all the desires there begin to slowly be removed and there becomes a new appetite and a new desire for the things of God. Can you say amen? Here's the second thing. Freedom in worship. That's a cool thing, isn't it? Look what it says in 519. It says, don't be filled, don't be drunk with wine, filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, making melody to the Lord, sorry, in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I found this, that when a person gets filled with the Holy Spirit, they become free in their expression to worship. Do you see that often if you see that and you see football or some sports games? You know, when, when guys have had a few, say, a few jars, they call it, it's amazing they, they celebrate the football, don't they? I've seen guys, they, took their shirt, they rip their shirts off and they're swinging their shirts around. You know, they're, they're jumping up and down, dancing, shouting, screaming. They do the most craziest things you'd ever believe. Is that right? I know Sid does, but all, you know what I mean? <laughs> There's that sense of, that celebration that's there. And I found that when the Spirit of God begins to fill us, we begin to lose those things that tie us up. Those things that limit us and, and make us uncomfortable in praise. I came from a background, and it was a, a background that didn't preach on preaching this morning. And I remember, I, I, I couldn't even raise my hands up. For a couple of years, for me to do this was like major freedom. And God began to fill me. And I remember the first thing when I got fi- first filled and baptized with the Holy Spirit, I just did it. I didn't even think about it. I just did it. It was like an absolute na- freedom began to flow into me. And all those things that inhibited me and tied me up, I began to be more comfortable praising God than I ever was. I think that's what Paul's saying. That when you're filled with the Spirit, there becomes a new level of liberty, new level of freedom. It's amazing. When you do that, ever done that for the first time, and you think every hot eye on the building is looking at you, don't you? You think everybody's looking at you, everybody's watching you. And that's what God wants. He wants us to have a liberty and a freedom in praise. We're not inhibited, we're not limited, we're not holding back. Paul, in jail, we're told, he had a lot of things he could have complained about, but in jail, the Bible says, he just praised God. Is that right? He took those chains. He thought, you know what? They make a good beat. I'll come on. He started to beat his chains together and they began to praise and worship God in the middle of an incredibly hard, difficult situation. That's what it means to be filled with the Spirit. That you praise God even when things aren't going your way. Even when things are falling apart. There's something in you that just wants to come and worship God. And you're free. Really, in a sense, and it's great, the worship band is great as they are. Really, I'm not really the choir. We're the choir. All of us, we're part of that. We're part of those. And I found worship, actually, the one thing that brings the presence of God more than anything I know is praise and worship. The Bible says he's enthroned on the praise and the worship of God's people. He comes right there in the midst. It draws him. It's like a magnet that draws the presence when we're really released and free in our worship. 
Next thing about being filled with spirit is this. We become more and more like Jesus. How want to become more like Jesus? You read Galatians 5.22, and you see there the fruit of the Spirit. And there you have all the, the great definitions, the great descriptions of, of, of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering. How many would love some of that? Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You see, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is actually the personality of God. That's what God's like. That's the character of God. He's a God of joy, is that right? He's a God of love. He's long-suffering. He's faithful. That's the personality of God. I found this, that when we get filled with the Holy Spirit, it's almost that we go through a personality transformation. See, we might not naturally be a loving person, or we might not naturally be a joyful person. We may not naturally be a patient person. We may not naturally be a faithful person. But when you get filled with the Spirit, what is not natural to you begins to be true of your life. Suddenly, instead of being an uncaring or unloving person, you suddenly find the ability to love people you never thought you could love. You find yourself loving the most unloveliest people. The people that years ago used to really cause you to struggle with, suddenly you find you have a new love for them. You begin to love people far easier. You become patient, even in the supermarket queues. And I'm there, I'm going, Holy Spirit, please take control. And it's almost, what is not, not natural to you begins to be natural to you. If you have a temperament problem, a self-control problem, a, a suffering problem, God as he begins to fill you, you've heard of a, a makeover. You get a personality makeover by the Holy Spirit. He begins to instill in you things that, you, that weren't part of you before. And I found that true. That when someone's filled with the Spirit, they become full of love. You can't say I'm filled with the Spirit and be absolutely miserable, is that right? Because part of being filled with the Spirit means you are full of joy because that's the personality and character of God. You become full of patience. You become far more patient with people than what you naturally were. There's a, a new sense that you can, a long suffering there, that you become faithful. You don't give up. You don't quit straight away. There's a new faithfulness that's been built in you. And God, as he's filling with you, He's changing you, the Bible says, from one degree of glory to another. You're becoming more and more like Jesus. Can you say amen? Here's the next thing. I think when you get filled with the Spirit, you think more about heaven and eternity. Instead of being so focused on the things of this world or, or so excited about the la latest sport event or, or the latest entertainment thing, when you're filled with the Spirit, you think about God and heaven and eternity. You think about the word of God. You think about prayer. I think when people are really filled with the spirit, their eyes are towards heaven. They're looking for the bridegroom. They're looking for his appearing. They love to read the word of God. They love to spend time in God's presence. The word of God is no longer something you just do out of habit or something you struggle to do. You know, you want to praise him. You, you want to worship him. There suddenly becomes new desires in your heart for the things of God. 
I think when we're, the Bible says that when we're really filled with him, there's something in us that says, come, Lord Jesus, come soon. There's a yearning, a crying out for his coming, a desire to, to meet him and encounter him. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Here's the next thing. I think when you're filled with the Spirit, you begin to pray in the Spirit. Look at 1 Corinthians 14. I think one thing that I don't think we should ever, as Pentecostals, ever be ashamed of, of speaking in tongues, praying in the Spirit. Look what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 14. He says, For when I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is fruitful. He says, My mind's unfruitful. Because in a sense, I'm bypassing my mind. That's what I love about praying in the Spirit. I found this, I know my mind's limited. And I love to pray in English, I love to, to pray in, 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 you know, in, in English and just pray my prayers through the Word. I think there's time, and I just, but I love to pray in the Spirit. Because when I pray in the Spirit, I, by, I bypass my understanding. My understanding's limited. I can pray for people, but I don't always know what that person's going through. But as I pray in the Spirit, I bypass the limitation of my mind and I begin to pray directly to God. And I always say, Holy Spirit, would you please pray through me? Show me, lead me, direct me. And I found it so powerful. I prayed over the spirit of a situation and seen that situation be so transformed and so changed. The Bible says that when you pray in the Spirit, you edify yourself. That's why I believe in these days, praying in tongues is going to be something more and more essential because as darkness begins to flow in and all kinds of things are challenging us, trying to wear us down, trying to pull us down, we need to learn to have the ability, how do I strengthen myself in the midst of difficult, overwhelming situations? How do I deal with the challenges and the difficulties that life's thrown at me? I believe the body of Christ really needs to learn how to strengthen ourselves in the midst of it. And one of the ways you strengthen yourself is to pray in the Spirit. Paul says when you do that, you edify yourself. And that word edify means to, it means to erect a building, construct a house. In other words, when you do that, you build yourself within. The song, one of the Hillsong songs I love, it says, you know, from the inside out. We don't live the Christian life from the outside out. We live the Christian life from the inside out. Is that right? So I've got to learn to build my inner man up. I've got to learn to strengthen my inner man because my inner man is where the strength and the power is to face the challenges of life. And Paul says when you pray in the Spirit, you build yourself within. You increase your capacity for God. Paul says something staggering when I thought about this. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 18, he says, I speak in tongues more than you all. Now you think about it. He's writing to the church in Corinth that is pretty into tongues. They had a bit of a problem with it. They spoke in tongues a lot. Let me say this. I could say to, I could say to you, I run a mile, okay? If I said that, I wouldn't dare say I run a mile because I'm running more, more than you all. Because for all I know, some of you might run a mile. But if I was to say I run 10 miles, 
I could pretty confidently say, I run more than you all. Because I'm confident that not many people run 10 miles. Paul is so confident in speaking to a church that prays in tongues a lot. He's able to say, I pray in tongues more than you all. As I said, I was part of a, a group when I was first became a Christian that didn't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. In particular, they didn't believe in the gifts of the Spirit. And that was the verse that I couldn't get round my head. Because I believe I, I couldn't get round that verse. Paul said, I speak in tongues more than you all. I used to ask people, and nobody ever could give me an adequate solution to it. That's why Paul says, that's why. If he needed to do it, I think how much more do we need to do? Is that right? Now, there's something else. I think when you're really filled with the Spirit, you're delivered from all your fears. It's really interesting. I found this, that when people are really filled with the Spirit, they begin to lose the fears. I'm talking about irrational fears. The Bible says, God has not given you a spirit of fear. We notice that, that a drunk person will suppress their fears. They feel they can conquer the world. They'll fight with anybody. You know, a six-foot-eight guy could come into the pub, 25 stone, and they're willing to fight him. They're not afraid of anybody. They think they can conquer all things. And karaoke. Oh, they see a karaoke, they're up there and they're singing. And they've been to weddings and they're up there singing their karaoke. And, you know, I heard it when they just, they just do the most, they sing the most attitude songs, but they don't care what anybody thinks. And the day after they think, did I really? I can't believe I did that. It's almost this sense that that's what happens. I think that when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, it gives you a new level and a new boldness in the Spirit. Look at Acts 4.31. I think if we need anything else, we need boldness in these days. Acts 4.31. And when they had prayed... The place where they had assembled together was shaken. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Spirit-filled people will lead people more to the Lord than through any kind of program. So when you're filled with boldness, you'll talk to anybody, anywhere about Jesus. All the inhibitions, all the fears, all the hang-ups kind of suddenly begin to be removed. I've seen the most naturally shyest people you can ever imagine become the most boldest in their witness. They go into the most incredible situations and places and boldly witness for Jesus because they're doing something that is beyond their natural ability to do. You know what it says? That you shall receive power from on high. That word power from on high means the ability of God to do things that you could not naturally do. That's why we need the power of God, is that right? To take us beyond what we cannot naturally do. To go beyond our natural abilities, our natural talents, our limitations. Jesus says you shall receive power from on high and you'll receive the ability of God to do things that you could never, ever, ever do before. Can you say amen? Now, people are also filled with the Spirit. I think that they move with new levels of authority. 
they suddenly feel they've got an authority over the devil. Those things that seem to be so overwhelming, seem to so wear them down, that seem so much bigger than they were, suddenly there's a new level of authority. Almost this cry them says, I'm no longer going to be a doormat for the devil. I always remember this, dear, dear lady, and I heard this, and it's just, I just love what she used to say. Whenever you said to her, how are you doing? You know what she'd always say? She'd always say these words, I've got the foot, I've got my foot on the devil's head. She'd always say that. I've got my foot on the devil's head. There's something about knowing your authority. Reinhard Bonnke said this, he says, I go into these nations and I push the devil over like a cardboard wall. Isn't that amazing? And one crusade he did in Nigeria, 1.4 million people made a decision for Christ. You cannot naturally ever do that. But when you realize your authority, when you become a man and woman filled with the Holy Spirit, a new sense of authority rises in you. So there's the first thing. By the way, the other ones won't be quite long. Is it's a contrast between being filled with wine and being filled with the Holy Spirit. Anyone who be filled with the Holy Spirit. Here's the next thing. It's a command. Be ye filled. It's not an option. It's not some sort of clever answer. It is a command. You'll find that many times when the disciples witnessed to people, when they met people who had just become Christians, one of the first things they asked them was this, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you first believed? Jesus commanded the early church. He says, listen guys, maybe he actually said that word, but he says, okay, he says, I want you to go into Jerusalem and I don't want you to depart from there until you have received the power from on high. Don't preach, don't do any single thing until you have received power from on high. And for ten days, they're in that upper room. Oh, they prayed. Oh, they got hungry. Oh, they got desperate. Oh, they sought God. They sorted out their relationships. They, They put things right in their hearts. And on the tenth day, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, the Spirit of God fell on them. And then from that point on, they just ministered and worked and, and began to do amazing things for God. But Jesus said, he commanded them, don't do anything until you have received that power from on high. Maybe that's something often we need to take to account in our hearts. Before you do anything, make sure you're empowered and filled with the power from on high. So it's a contrast, it's continual. And here's the th- and it's, so if it's a contrast, it's a command. Here's the third thing. It's continual. Be ye filled. It's in present tense. In natural Greek it says, be ye filled continually. Every day... We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit continually. I can't live on past experiences. No matter how great, how wonderful those past experiences are, they've gone, they're finished, they're over. Is that right? How great our encounters with God, how amazing those moves of God in the past of our lives, they are finished, they are done, they're over. 
I can't live on past experiences. I can't live on things of the past. Really, the issue is, it's not whether I was filled with the Holy Spirit a year ago. What Paul is saying, are you filled now? That's the question. Are you filled now? I think we just need to say, Lord, every day, fill me with your spirit. In other words, every day you take a spiritual breathalyzer. What would that breathalyzer say? What would it say? Would it say, you're over the limits. You're intoxicated. And every day you need to take that spiritual breathalyzer and know that you are filled with the spirit. Every day, well not every day, but maybe once a week or so, I go to that petrol station. And I kind of like it here, because people do it for you, and I kind of like that. And the words are, fill it up. I like saying that. Fill it up. Well, give 30 pounds worth anyway, but fill it up. And that's what we should say every day to God. God, fill me up. Whenever I run an empty, I have a light that comes on. Who's in that light? That tells me I'm running this car on empty. I'm just wondering this morning, are you trying to live your Christian life on empty? I don't think you can live a Christian life on empty. When we live our lives on being empty, we then tend to live our lives in our own power and our own strength and our own natural ability. I love, have you ever read A.W. Tozer? I love some of his writers. I love, every, every so often I love to read one of his books, his challenges and stirs with He says this, what a, what a challenge he says. He says, right now, if the Holy Spirit was taken from your life, how differently would you live your life? How different would you be right now if the Holy Spirit was taken from you? What would you be doing that you couldn't do before? How different would your life be right now? If all of a sudden God suddenly pulled the Spirit outside of you, how different would you be? I pray we'd be radically different. I pray we'd be so different we'd be unrecognisable if the Spirit of God was suddenly taken from us. That's a challenge, isn't it? And we need to make sure that we don't live our lives on empty. I think one of the reasons we can struggle, one of the reasons we are in defeat, one of the reasons we're we're not seeing what we should be seeing is we're trying to live our Christian lives on empty. And God never meant you or me to ever live our Christian lives on empty. Never meant you to live your life with a spiritual red light on it. He says, be ye filled. Every moment, every day of your life, be filled. In everything you do, in your workplace, in in the different things you do in your life, make sure that you are filled with the Spirit. I like this word. I didn't know it's a word. I think I've created the word. It's having fillability. Is that a word? Fillability. Fillability. That's a new word. Having a fillability. Ability in your life. I think having a fillability means that this is your greatest desire to be filled with the Spirit. That you're desperate. There's a thirst in your heart to be filled. There's a fillability. Jesus says, if any man what thirsts, let him come to me and drink, and out of his innermost being will flow rivers. 
I used to often focus on the river. But I suddenly realized the beginning of the river is a thirst. If you've got no thirst, then you're not going to have a, a river. You're not going to have a river because it begins with a thirst. If any man is thirsty, if any man is really, you know, really needing a filling of the Spirit, first of all, he needs to empty himself and be thirsty. Thirsty for me till filling. If we are content with what we have, we're never going to have any more. Amen? We've got to have a thirst for more and more of God. I know this sounds obvious, but how do people get drunk? Because they drink. Is that right? They drink. Now, you could go into, into a bar, wherever it is, pub, and if you never take one drink, how many know just going there isn't going to get you intoxicated? Is that right? You've got to drink and drink. I just think to myself, what a picture. If we're going to get filled with the Spirit, we've got to drink and drink and drink and drink and get thirsty and thirsty and thirsty so we receive more and more. That's the great thing about God. As believers, he says, I want to give you more. No matter how much you have, I want to give you more. I'm so grateful for God. I'm so grateful for, for all the things God has poured into my life. For I know there's so much more than what I have. And I've got to press in. I've got to press on for more of the Lord. I've got to press in so God will usher in a greater measure of the fullness of God. Can you say amen? Say, God, there's so much more than what we've got right now. Is that right? Not one of us in this room has got all of God that we cannot get. There's so much more that God wants to give to us. So much more that God wants to pour in. Paul says, I pray that you would be filled with all the fullness of God. Pressing in. Pressing forward. So we got the fullness of God. Two quick ones left. Two C's. Two more C's left. Control. Who is going to be in control? Are you willing to let the Holy Spirit have control? I don't think it it means we have more of the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit has more of us. So we say, Holy Spirit, I give you control. I've been trying to control things. I've been trying to manipulate things. I've been trying to do things in my own power and strength, but now I say, Holy Spirit, come and have total and complete control of my life. Can you say amen? Here's the next thing. Let's see. Cooperation. The other thing about the Holy Spirit, we are in partnership. I love that. We are in partnership. We partner with the Holy Spirit. We partner with Him. I found what we need to do, that means we need to engage with the Holy Spirit. Acknowledge the Holy Spirit. When was the last time you acknowledged the Holy Spirit was in you? When the last time you said, Holy Spirit, I just recognize right now that you're in me. You live in me. Paul says this. He says, you know what? When I think of God the Father, I think of the love of God. When I think of Jesus, and I think we always ought to think of Jesus, is I think of the grace of God. When I think of the Holy Spirit, I think of communion. I think of the ability I have to commune and talk and, and fellowship with the Holy Spirit. 
the love of God, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the communion, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. I just love to commune and fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Not based on just four things. I used to I use this word trust, and it's like a I learned, I, Mike Bickle spoke about. It, and I kind of that's a really good way to communicate and talk to the Holy Spirit. He says T stands for thanking. So you commune by saying, thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for being with me. Thank you for, for, for loving me. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And you begin to thank the Holy Spirit for being with you. R stands for rain. Holy Spirit, come and rain in me. Rain in my life. You, says Holy Spirit, use me. Please, would you use me? S stands for strength. Holy Spirit, come and strengthen me. And T stands for teach me. Holy Spirit, teach me your ways. Lead me, teach me, direct me. And those sort of ways begin to help you to develop a communion and fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And He begin to direct you. He begin to show you people for you to connect with. People to go to. People issue all kinds of things. Places to go. Isn't it an exciting life? This is the adventure of the Christian life. Leading and being directed by the Holy Spirit. That's what makes the Christian life so exciting, so exhilarating. To know that you've got the presence of the Holy Spirit that leads and directs and helps you. And here's the last one. I'll finish with this one. So much more. But let me close with this. Contact. You know, the Holy Spirit connects you to the Father and he connects you to the Son. In fact, he comes to magnify Jesus. How do I know what is of, what is of the Spirit? Because he should always magnify and glorify Jesus. If he doesn't glorify Jesus, if he doesn't magnify Jesus, then it's not of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit always glorifies and magnifies Jesus. He comes to reveal the Father's heart. He shows you what's on the Father's heart for your destiny. What's on the, what's on the Father's heart for your life. He begins to put burdens and, and stirs desires inside your heart. Reveals to you the Father's heart. I love it. I love I want more and more of the Father's heart. Amen. I want to love what he loves and hates what he hates. How do I do that? As I connect with the Holy Spirit, He connects me to the heart of the Father. He shows me what's on Father's heart. He begins to glorify and reveal Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this free download from Delancey Ealing Church. For more downloads or to contact us, please visit our website at delanceyelim.co.uk.